Dear friends, thank you for uh, taking time out from your weekend to be here. It's uh, really lovely. All the time. <clears throat> Our theme today is uh, building a raft, uh, finding stability in uncertain times. Of things to practice with. <laughs> so you're welcome. Um, um, I think you all probably know that. Uh, being able to find that stability when things around us are uncertain or changing um, comes from our practice, our ability to be present, our ability through the lens of uh, the six paramitas which we've been looking at in uh, your sangha here in Helena. The paramitas are just another uh, aspect, uh, another facet of looking at our practice. The mindfulness trainings are included in those paramitas, as are some other qualities, some other practices. The uh, generosity as well. as uh, forbearance or patience, <laughs> diligence or effort. That word is a little scary for me, the perfections. Um, I hope it is a little off-putting to you as well, um, because we won't ever do it perfectly. Love our practice. Uh, it's not about getting it right 100% of the time. Uh, into our lives, putting that uh, ability to ourselves. And it can actually build quite a lovely raft when we do this, uh, something that we can uh, rest into. Uh, and us. Uh, it's not that we aren't affected by what's happening around us. Back into our bodies and into our breath and into our practice. And so we'll start looking at these uh, paramitas this morning and maybe we'll
each other. Uh, so if we really practice uh, deeply with one of them, we will practice deeply with all of them. And one of them is five mindfulness trainings. So really there's like <laughs> 11, I guess 10. So, that, uh, that ability to give uh, freely uh, without, um, without being caught up in time, of energy, of material resources. Uh, these are the things that we Time. There was a lot of generosity that went into making this day possible. Yeah. A lot of make this event happen. Mm. And that took a lot of time and energy and material resources. Mm. And that gift of our time uh, is one of the most uh, precious that we can give. It's also And so finding ways of uh, being able to, to give um, us away from something else. One of the reasons we hold these days together uh, like this, uh, when we come together for retreat and for a day of mindfulness, is so that we can uh, give our time uh, to each other. And so with that, uh, we're giving uh, ourselves, um, we're giving of ourselves our time. As well as our energy, our energy of practice. Uh, our energy to channel that into this time uh, together. One of the students of the Buddha, Subhuti, is uh, talking with, uh, with the Buddha, and he of course, is all of us, people who have chosen to step on this path. Uh, you don't have to be fully uh, awakened and realized to be a bodhisattva. Um, thank goodness. Uh, but if a bodhisattva does not rely on any concept, from that virtuous act is as great as space. Difficult practice uh, to give without relying.
it's a it's a perfection, not something that we are perfect at. Yeah, something to be aware of. It's a point of uh, inquiry. So when we are being generous, when we are giving our time, our energy, our material resources, um, it doesn't stop us from doing the act. Uh, it just gives us a place to look. Uh, what concepts are Very uh, uh, enlightening uh, to see what we're uh, thinking about as we're practicing generosity. And so this brings uh, to us practicing generosity. Uh, we start to give something else, uh, something of our practice to others. They might notice that, um, that we feel particularly stable or solid in that act of generosity. Not because uh, we've completely let go of all concepts, of um, the practice of giving, uh, and all the stuff that's wrapped up in there. There's so much that uh, we carry around with us every day. Centuries and millennia uh, culturally that are, are coming with us. And we're not gonna be completely free of those concepts. Some of those concepts, uh, uh, they are so deep in our consciousness and unconsciousness um, that to be so we bring our presence uh, into that act, uh, and then we can also uh, give ourselves uh, to others uh, in that way. We can give ourselves completely uh, in. practices of, of chaplaincy, of uh, being with uh, families uh, who are in uh, 90% of it is showing up. Um, but you have to uh, But so much more is there. Uh, our ability to be stable uh, and solid and come back to ourselves is a true gift. When we talk about giving the Dharma, uh, it's not about uh, what we say. It's about how we are. 
with people. I think at the uh, Lutheran Bible Camp, where we often have, where we have our retreats recently, uh, there's that uh, quote from Saint Francis um, on the wall right near the uh, lunch and breakfast and dinner, the food buffet, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it says. You know, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Um, and that's an invitation. All the time. And uh, if necessary, use words. Sometimes the words get us into trouble, because uh, we think we need to know the right things to say. Um, but... Uh, Sometimes, uh, often, usually, is showing up and being there is enough. And there's one other aspect of generosity. Uh, this is a, often thought of as a practice of outward, uh, something that we do uh, to others and with others and with the world. Uh, we give these things. Uh, but another way of thinking of generosity uh, uh, to the present moment. So it's um, completely uh, trusting Um, moved to Missoula, we were, I was with a, a friend of mine, and we were on a road trip uh, from uh, Chicago suburbs, that's where I, I lived, and uh, hadn't been out west before, and we stopped uh, in the Badlands in South Dakota, and uh, we weren't, uh, we were going to camp for the night, and we weren't in kind of the striking area of the Badlands with the, the uh, Standing on a on a rise, um, and this was my first time, as I said, out and I had the thought, which I then said out loud, uh, was, "I want to be here." Um, and you know, my friends said, "Will you?" really wanted to just be there. And it was, a, it was an interesting thing to say. Um, and it was an interesting thing to feel. Um, and I, I kind of think of that moment uh, at least I think of it now, 
uh, as uh, one, the seed that was planted for wanting to uh, develop this practice. Uh, because, of course, this practice does help us do that. helps us to actually be where we are. Um, maybe it was just the expansion. habits and thoughts and ways of being and ways of engaging in the world and, and wasn't able to give myself to that moment. There was too much uh, holding me back. our idea of um, who we should be, our ideas of, um, of what we think uh, we can be, what we know, all of those things. Um, it's, it's frightening uh, to let go of that. In uh, the uh, collection of Zen koans uh, called the Blue Cliff Record, there's a reference to stepping off a hundred-foot pole. That's what practice is. Uh, standing on the top and then uh, kind of shimmying back down. And so you kind of get a glimpse of where to go. Uh, but that stepping off that pole is uh, Really frightening experience. Doesn't talk about what happens after you step off it. It just invites you to step off. To really give ourselves to this moment. takes a phenomenal amount of trust, um, trust in our so it is uh, one of the five uh, powers. Um, but it is an act of faith. It's good we're in a church that doesn't <laughs> mind that we say that, right? It's a, it's an act of faith to uh, give ourselves fully to this moment. Because mm -hmm. we don't know. Just by sitting, by breathing, by stopping, as uh, Zan said, the shamatha practice. Um, 
than a structured place. It's a lot scarier out there. <laughs> that we're okay when we do that. We know that we're going to be okay. Um, depending on the situation and depending on our practice, um, we can come back. Uh, um, we have a physical place to come back uh, with our Sangha. can return to. Um, I like to think of it as the top of the pole. You know, maybe we step off and it's a little scary, but we can come back to the top. <laughs> One of the most uh, profound experiences I had Two uh, adult children, um, they were in their, uh, I guess, uh, early adulthood, so uh, uh, 20s, I think, early 20s, and um, she was uh, dying of uh, pancreatic cancer, and um, we had a very good rapport. She was a very, um, she and her husband. interested in that practice. And in the course of our conversations, I said something about letting go um, with this idea of um, giving ourselves to the moment. And she, uh, she looked at me and she said, why on earth would I want to let go of my children? And I was a new father. Uh, can't remember if I was a new father twice or just once at that point, but um, yeah, why on earth would you want to let go of your children? It's a good question. Um, why on So my answer, uh, was and we didn't talk, but we did practice.
but to describe an experience that we had just had of letting go. In letting go of your children, come to you more completely than ever. And she got it. thinking about it anymore. She was practicing it. And, and so when we talk about giving ourselves to the moment, uh, that's what we're talking about. Um, that practice of But if we stop and think about what we risk, it's really not much. Uh, it's our pride. But we've developed that uh, sense of self, that personality, that ego, as a way of um, protecting ourselves uh, throughout our lives. Um, we just start developing it in childhood, in our or chaotic or uh, over and then we continue developing it uh, over our, our lifetime and so I say it's not much that we risk but it's kind of everything um, at the same time it's everything that uh, we think that we need uh, to our um, our personality, our way that we are not even aware of. Occasionally, we can get a little glimpse of it. Um, 
you know, thousands of years of <laughs> culture and society with us. There's some good evidence that our sense of self and what it means to be a self uh, is rooted in uh, Greek culture and has carried through uh, till today in the West. We really do get that sensation of stepping off a pole. Uh, we really get that sensation of um, being completely uh, uncertainty and not knowing. Um, and we come back to that trust and just trusting in this moment and trusting our practice. In, um, in some uh, uh, Zen traditions, A verse that uh, is, let me respectfully remind you death, take heed, take heed, do not squander your life. Um, I may not have that exactly right, but it's pretty close. <laughs> um, and um, it's that reminder. Uh, Kind of, for me, sometimes that, that phrase or that little verse puts a, gives me a little anxiety. Um, uh, you know, do not squander your life. Take heed. This is of the utmost importance. It's life and death. Um, but really, uh, it's an invitation to give ourselves to the moment. Um, to not waste In that one woman's case, uh, that fear of letting go of her children. Not even afraid of you know, letting go of her body, <laughs> but letting go of her children. Um, you know, what, is, what is it that uh, we're uh, afraid of letting go of? makes sense why it's a matter of life and death. Uh, because perhaps, uh, you know, if we just, if we're afraid of letting go of all that stuff we've built over the years, and that's very comfortable. Safe in the world. Um, I don't know, maybe that is a, a, a kind of death. At least uh, not fully alive. Mm -hmm. 
And so we practice, and we keep practicing, and we keep um, finding opportunities and finding moments And we notice them, and we just, and then maybe in the next moment we can give ourselves to the moment. And then we might spend a couple of days. And trust that what we're risking is actually what's holding us back. What we're risking when we let go um, is the very same thing that's holding us back from letting go. I think our um, idea of safety is a little bit of an illusion, um, one that we've gotten good at. creating our lives in a way that um, gives us that feeling of safety. Reminds us uh, that that safety is is, um, just an illusion. And if we wait, if we don't take heed, take heed. <laughs> if we wait uh, to give ourselves and to this moment, it might be too late. Uh, we might not have the opportunity to again. So, um, so it's okay to take that risk. And that's why we have uh, this place, this community. That's why we have this practice, so that we can do that, so that we can take that risk. Or not, uh, maybe it's safer, or um, maybe it really is. things out, uh, to keep what we might be afraid of out. We can let go of all the stuff that would hold on to the things that harm us too. And what I mean by that is when we're in the presence of somebody who's um, 
angry, for instance. That's one of mine that I have a hard time with. And when we're in that uh, presence of that, and we take that risk to give ourselves to the moment, Places like in the, in the hospital, uh, when I uh, enter into a room and there's uh, anger. Away from that, <laughs> um, I'm supposed to be there. Uh, I can give myself to this person. Uh, and also I know built into that there is the safety who we are and what we are, and to fully give ourselves to that moment. And in so doing, uh, we are also giving our practice uh, to the people around us. Our stability, our freedom, our breath, um, to the world around us. Because uh, we've given ourselves now to that moment. Uh, and so, it's only natural that those around us will also receive it. You can't help it. And so the uh, much, much more about uh, this afternoon uh, during our transmission ceremony. Um, the mindfulness trainings give us a, a little bit of a, a road map or a path in how to give ourselves to the present moment. Um, aware of the suffering brought about by killing, 
So it gives us a, a, a place to look in our lives, um, in our habits, uh, in uh, the systems that we participate in uh, that support uh, harming, harming our earth, harming other beings. Uh, um, so when we take in that, that mindfulness training, it just gives us a really giving ourselves um, to the present moment, as well as uh, um, being there to guide us when uh, we're faced with uncertainty. It gives us another point of stability. When we're looking at an action or a potential action or habits or ways of being, um, it gives us an avenue of examining. Um, and often uh, those places are places that are holding us back, um, keeping us from uh, being fully present. are included in these um, perfections uh, because they are another example of uh, aspects of our lives that we um, should tend to, uh, might need to tend to a little bit more uh, or a lot bit more, uh, depending. And they give us that, uh, that reference point, that point of coming home. the present moment. Um, most of the time we're just kind of doing our best to navigate the world uh, and the uh, people and the systems around us. Um, decided are important and carry with us. And so the mindfulness trainings give us another throughout our daily life. I don't want to say uh, so much about them um, because we will spend uh, quite a bit of time with them this afternoon. Hey, we're a third of the way. out of uh, what's often translated as patience or forbearance, uh, but what uh, Thich Nhat Hanh has uh, translated for us as inclusiveness. And inclusiveness. Um, but uh, than patience uh, is that 
realize uh, that we're just holding our feet down <laughs> and uh, uh, waiting until whatever it is that's happening is done so that we can get on with the rest of our life. Um, and so um, sometimes that's what we need to do uh, if, our, uh, if we're tired or if our practice isn't strong or if um, the situation is, is such through whatever it is. Um, there is an art to that. Um, uh, it gives us another way of looking at that same uh, We included into our practice. One way I was thinking about this is that uh, generosity is kind of the opposite or another aspect of the same thing. practice receiving somebody's despair um, the difficult and so I think if we are given the word patience um, when we're But because, um, because I was able to uh, show up, I think I said 90% of that work is showing up. That other despair, uh, nothing changed in the dynamic um, in terms of uh, the person was still not really wanting to talk, not moving out of that despair uh, during the visit. Um, but being able to uh, embrace it and hold it um, uh, that other person's uh, experience and uh, to remember that that experience wasn't mine. That was that person's despair. Uh, so I can sit with that. Um, 
And what can I do? Well, I can give. Peace and acceptance. <laughs> and the despair was still there. Uh, and I was getting ready to go, and the person says, Oh, do you have to leave already? Discourse. Um, in our, our chant book, there, it's, uh, I think, like a page and a half. Uh, it's, I think it's about 1,200 pages. But there's a, 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 a chapter uh, called Purifying Practice. Uh, and it's an entire chapter of uh, verses, four-line verses. About what to do in all sorts of situations um, and how to cultivate a mind of inclusiveness. Uh, I'll, I'll read uh, two of the... Um, I don't know, a couple, maybe 100, 150. There's a lot. Uh, Manjushri is um, speaking and he's cultivating a practice of transformation in this chapter. Practitioners, seeing the shameless, they should wish that all beings give up shamelessness and abide in the way of kindness. Who is that for? When you see the shameless, that means you notice that they are the shameless and you have named them and judged them. It would be to see that and then instead of looking at those people that you have now deemed shameless, that you would give it up to the world.
when you see something out in the world and you've made a judgment about it, you've noticed that you've made a judgment about it, and you turn it in to a way of um, practicing in the world, of remembering what our intention is. So instead of being something that we're judging and pushing away, we're all beings be able to know the blessings of the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas. So now we see something that we have judged to be good. Something that we see as uh, valuable. But we don't leave it there. We include it into our practice. of gratitude of the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas that they can be thankful to. These verses, um, the actual verses, uh, um, they're, they're, they're interesting to read. Uh, there's a lot of um, context of the time they were written. It's a Mahayana Sutra, so it was written uh, But reading those verses, I, I was so touched by uh, kind of the, the simplicity and the, um, the real elegance It changes our thinking uh, from this is something I am seeing out in the world. It changes it from a judgment uh, to, a, um, to an intention. Mm. It requires that we notice it, that we notice that we've made that judgment. It has all sorts of circumstances that come up. Um, But I, I would recommend you make up your own. Uh, when my children don't listen to me, I remember that one. Glad I recorded this. <laughs> um, what a different in the way that uh, we would engage that situation after that thought comes into our mind. 
You can feel the spaciousness around that situation. You can feel it. And now instead of creating this distance between my non-compliant children, and so instead of having that gulf into that moment. So I, I encourage you to um, hold that practice uh, and use it when those things come up. I forget to do all the good stuff. Yeah. Pretty much but it moves us away from um, from judgment uh, from that kind of patience that way that we normally think of patience uh, just stealing ourselves until we can be done and we're not stable. Mm. We've created a kind of a, now we've created a system. And so the stability is going to be found outside of us. We want to bring that inside, find that stability inside and offer it up. I think it feels like a nice symmetry, uh, kind of move from giving into receiving, um, with kind of the fulcrum of the mind. plays a role in all of this. Uh, it's threaded throughout all of that. Yeah. Pay more attention to what we're doing and why we're doing it and how we're doing it. <laughs> and And you can see how meditation and insight fits in there, right? We don't need to go into all that. Uh, but I, I do, I am aware of our time. Um, so I, I, I'll invite uh, Sandy to sound uh, three sounds of the bell. And then we'll have, um, depending how long the bells are, we'll have between 20 minutes and whatever else for questions, I suppose. Um,
bowing to the bells. No. <laughs> but um, just for people who are not familiar with our practice, the way uh, we ask for the floor to speak is we bow in, and then you have the floor and everyone will listen to you, and when you're finished, you bow out so we know that you're finished. Because sometimes we're talking and then we pause.